We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Welcome into a live edition of Three Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck here, as always. And uh, we're going live tonight because K-State played a hell of a game last night, and uh, the Cats are rolling now, uh, having gotten on a winning streak here toward the end of the season beating the heck out of Oklahoma, and more importantly than that, putting on just a great show for the seniors. Uh, and it was, a, it was a real spectacle. Everything that happened, I think, to a T, is about as perfect a script as you could have written for senior night for the Wildcats at Bramwich Coliseum to cap off a 15-1 and home season. So we're going to discuss that here over the next half hour or so, break everything down where this team is at, heading into the regular season finale, going to Morgantown and just relive some of what last night was. Because it was, even for somebody who wasn't there and was just watching it, on TV, on the good old ESPN Plus that we all know and love. Uh, it was a blast last night. Just a total, total blast. So with that, we'd like to thank uh, Holiday Distillery, as always, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon uh, for the uninitiated. Make sure that you get out and try those. Holiday Distillery, great K-State folks. So I'm sure I've been enjoying this basketball season as much as we all have. They support our pod, so please support them, whether you're a bourbon drinker. We've had rave reviews on the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, 360 Vodka, that is a great route to go as well if that is more your speed also. And, um, hey, I don't know, maybe they have some moonshine or something? Maybe they have some moonshine for the West Virginia game? Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at our chat now. Sorry, I just saw that. See, you guys are laughing too. D.Y., where's your hat? Why are you not wearing a hat today? I, don't, I just – man, I was late into this chat in the first place, so I don't have it together. I know. Well, and I was the first one here and I thought I was going to be late because it was like 520 and I still had to leave Leewood to get all the way down to the crossroads. So, you know, I, I'm just saying I put in more effort than everybody else to to make it here for this live show tonight. Uh, Cole, Cole was second. I mean, Cole was technically on time, but I was the only one. Me and Jordan were just sitting here cutting it up, having a good time. I thought it was going to be just us. It probably would have been a better show if it was. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Cole, what do you have to say about that? I, I, I just, uh, I don't know what to make of that, Derek. I mean, I think we're ready to go. I think we're pumped up to talk some cat hoops. I mean, we're going live. This is a rare time for us to go live and, uh, we're going live because K-State basketball is on another four-game winning streak and has gotten on the right track. So, uh, man, it, it's been a lot of fun. And last night, you know, we'll get into this more as the show goes on, but last night was a top-five moment in Bramlage for me. The, the end of the, the game situation, the way everything was handled going into the crowd, it was quite the spectacle it seen and uh, was, was one of the more fun moments that I've had in Bramlage. Uh, shout out to Zach, by the way. We uh, we love you too, my friend. Cole, let's start there because I was I was interested to hear you say that. Now, I'm not trying to really combat that. I was not there, and unfortunately, like like I probably could have gone had I really wanted to. It was going to be really tough just with life, and you know, getting away two hours away uh, at, at this point is difficult. I'd already done it a handful of times this year, but in retrospect, like I wish I would have just made the effort and done it and sucked it up today and been dead. Um, because it did look awesome. I mean, it was amazing. You got uh, not only the emotional Jerome Tang with the, the senior day intros, you got Nate Aubrey into the game to knock down some free throws and score with the crowd chanting his name, which, you know, personally was very cool for me. I mean, I called some of his games at Manhattan High back when I was doing Manhattan High broadcasts. And just a, a wonderful family. Like, we saw the video K-State Sports had of the family uh, reacting to Nate Aubrey there. Like, the both Nate and Gabe were great players at Manhattan High. Gabe's now a manager at, at Baylor. Like, so, so, or graduate assistant, I believe. So, so happy for all of them. So happy for all of them. Um, but then on top of that, all the seniors got curtain calls. We got like annoyed Porter Mosier there looking at all the curtain calls happening. Marquise had a great game. You had as many highlights as we've probably ever seen in the course of a K-State basketball game. I, I don't know, maybe ever. I mean, I kept jumping off my couch like five or six different times. And then, yeah, at the end of the game, you win. And Jerome Tang has the tremendous idea to just let the entire team go up and wabash with everybody as opposed to just him. So I, I get why you would say that. Um, the only reason that I'm kind of a little bit like, as eh, I mean, you know, it was it was a four win Oklahoma team, but I get it, man. Significance to the season and the program and where everything's been at. And just it was like the perfect cap on what the relationship has been like between the fans and Tang. The entire season, some bumps in the road, like the rent-free thing and the Kansas thing and expect to win and all that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there's a clear love affair and it was just so apparent um, with how everything went down yesterday. I mean, I think it's it's multiple things for me, John, and we'll let D.Y. weigh in on this too, as he's been covering the team for several years. And I'm curious for your perspective, D.Y., on what you made of the atmosphere and the scene. But, you know, look, the last three years, have been such a struggle. The fan base has been divided. Um, seeing everyone just united this year, it, it's been one of the more fun seasons that I've had watching K-State basketball in my lifetime. I mean, the 09-010 team was always my favorite, you know, K-State basketball team, and, and it still is. But this team is right there with it. And look, I know people say, like, don't dismiss the two Big 12 championship years with Bruce Weber. Those, those were fantastic. Well, and I would say the Oklahoma game in 2019 was a top five moment for me to watch K-State clinch a Big 12 championship in person in Bramlage Coliseum. This was right up there for me, you know, because, look, you get to 11 and six in the league. Yeah, you're not going to get a Big 12 championship this season, but you got a chance to finish second in the league after being picked to finish last after the three-year struggle that it's been the last three seasons. Uh, just everything that led up to it, the, the way that game unfolded, I know it wasn't a good OU team, but the highlight real plays, like you mentioned, John, it was just, it was one after another. And it was so much fun to take in after the first 15 minutes where it was a grind and struggle in the game. 
it just felt like every other play was a highlight play. The crowd was going nuts. It was a frenzy. And then just the, it was the best senior day by far that I've ever seen at Kansas state. You know, KU does a nice job with senior day. They always have, but K state last night did a fantastic job. You got the pregame stuff, but then after the game, after you get the win, letting them speak to the fans. And I thought the players did a heck of a job speaking to the fans. Jerome Tang grabbing a mic, sending the, the players, but also the coaches into the stands, his assistants and them having fun and everyone just laughing and smiling and the students mashing together. Cowboy key, man. We got cowboy key. You, you got Naquan with a cowboy hat on too. Like it, it just, a, it was such a frenzy and so much fun to take in. And I, I was laughing at Jerome Tang standing next to the flute player in the band going up and down as well. It was, it was just awesome, man. I, I don't think I'm saying, I don't think I'm prisoner of the moment there. I really think it was a top yeah. five, top six moment for me. I mean, I, and I, it helps that I had my six-year-old there. It, it's just been such a special season for us. And it's one we're never going to forget. And and let me, I'll, I'll make this point too, Cole, because I'm with you. 2009, 2010 will be really hard to top for me in terms of like my, my favorite K-State basketball team of all time. Now, deep run into March with this group. I mean, they've certainly set the stage uh, to to be to be that team if they want to be, but they did not get that. Se- Remember that senior day, Denny Clemente senior day. They lost to a terrible Iowa State team uh, at home in Bramwich on Fake Patty's Day with like half the people in the stands wearing green. It was just like weird vibes all the way around, and they lost that game, and you didn't get that that perfect send off. I mean, that, that was pretty storybook last night. It was it was definitely storybook. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what we wrote on KSO with just being storybook. I guess that's probably how I would characterize it. Um, everything that you would want to write in terms of a story and how to send them off is kind of unfolded perfectly, right? There was no – the only hiccup was the first 10 or 15 minutes when they couldn't score a bucket to to save their life. And after that, it kind of unfolded the way that you wanted it to unfold for it to be the perfect ideal ending to the careers of those seniors within the, the confines of Brandledge Coliseum. I mean, just the way that you, first off, you got the win. So you were able to have that Wabash cannonball moment, because if you don't, then it kind of probably falls on deaf ears a little bit if you try to do that, or they may not try to do it at all. So I think winning specifically kind of, kind of makes that, uh, go hand in hand and, and fit perfectly. The fact that Nate Aubrey gets his, you know, free throws to go through, I think that's a perfect. And oh, Bebe, he he converted on a bucket as well there before he left the floor. So uh, just a lot went right in terms of how you want senior night to finish. Every senior scored, but with Bebe getting that bucket at the end, and and the seniors all had really good nights, right? Now it didn't start that way. Desi was the only one scoring early on, and then Keontae got going, and then Marquise got going, and Marquise finishes with a double double. How fitting! They showed a graphic I rewatched on the ESPN Plus broadcast that Marquise uh, has ten double doubles via the assist and points, and the next closest over the next tw- last twenty five years is two by a K State guard. I think it was Denny and uh, Angel with two each. So just really shows what a spectacular season that Marquise Noel has had. He has a double-double. Keontae, efficient again, 7-12, 16 points, you know, 2-4 from three. He's now 15-30 from three, 50% over his last nine games. You know, he's really shooting the ball well. He's over 43% now for the season from beyond the arc. And obviously, Desi Sills, who, John, I saw you co-sign my tweet, too, on this. Man, that, that guy... You know, he doesn't have the flashy, flashiest stat line on the year, right? He's around around nine points per game. 
but he is a glue guy for this team. And I just love watching the way he plays defends ultimate competitor and winner as Jerome Tang always says, and he just plays so damn hard. It's hard not to love that guy. And he almost has a triple double last night, just a, a sensational game for him. And he's, we've talked about it before. I, I know we did recently, but like, man, man, that dude is fast as hell. Like he puts his head down in transition and like he will get through spaces and beat people up the floor all the time. That surprised me. And there were two awesome finishes he had. Uh, the one, the up and under, I think that sequence was logo three from Noel, come back, get a steal. What was it? Was that the key? I'm trying to remember who had the, there was a crazy pass up the floor again. And then Desi, spins it around with a reverse lay-in. And then there was another one where he just beat everybody up the floor for a jam too. And it's like, I see him taking off and I'm like, ah, there's no way he's going to get there clear enough with space to dunk. And sure as hell he does. I, He's fun. I, he gives me, it, it's kind of a weird comp because in a lot of ways, they're not really similar players, but speed in the open floor, just like taking off and running. Like I have not seen a guy that fast in the open floor with the ball in his hand since Denny Clemente. Like that's, that's what it reminds me of when he could just, get up and beat anybody down the floor. Like Desi, Desi's got uh, some, some shades of that there, but I mean, he's just got some swag to him too, man. He's, he's really fun. Uh, loved him taking the mic and uh, his speech last night. But um, like in all seriousness, you talk about glue guy and like a guy that's been there. I mean, this is one of the things that gives me comfort about them heading into the NCAA tournament. Um, Desi has played in an elite eight for Arkansas. Like he's been around the block. He, he knows what's going on and how to win big games in moments like that. So I, I think he's going to be a huge factor for this team headed into the, the postseason. Well, he's fast and powerful. Uh, I'm sorry, do you, I was just going to say he, he's not only fast, but he, he's an extremely powerful guard and he's always looking to dunk on you. I mean, you know, he, he's so aggressive when he goes to the rim and another block shot last night where he just took a man's life at the, uh, at the rim. <laughs> yes, he did. He, he did. Took a soul. I was the only thing I was going to say was, I mean, I've been on the Desi Stills bandwagon since game one, and I'm not even saying that. Like, I love that guy all season. I've kind of beat that into the ground that I think he's a hell of a player. And, I mean, just last night was indicative of that. It was He was all over the place. Say glue guy, and I get it. And in the context of this team, it's probably what he is. But, man, you know, when he's playing his I – mean, I'm not sure he's a glue guy. Like he's really, he's really good. A glue guy might be underselling him. I think that's fair. Um, it, I, I see it more like his, his shot kind of comes and goes like the three point numbers. I was actually shocked the other day. I looked at what his three point percentage was and I, I it's in the twenties, right? I mean, like it's, he's, he's not been very good. From he's a, uh, yeah, he's O of his last 10 from three over the last five or six games. Um, you know, Desi, Desi tends to hit the, uh, like, tough step-back three. Yeah. But when he catches and he's open, those are the ones he typically doesn't seem to make. And uh, But, yeah, his ability to get to the rim and uh, finish. He's a good free-throw shooter, too, a really nice free-throw shooter. So when he's, uh, when I mean, he, he's, he's the best finisher at the rim on yeah. the team, right? I mean, like, Noel's too short, and Cam can get there at all times, Keontae. but doesn't always finish. Yeah, okay, Keon, yeah, Keontae is also very good. Keontae is also very good. I guess if, I'm, if we're talking like strict backcourt guys, um, then then he's he's going to be your dude there. But you're right. Keontae has an unbelievable touch around the rim too. Yeah. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Keontae obviously was was fabulous last night as well. Um, cool to hear him talk about the the tattoo that he's going to get to add to his uh, his line of jerseys. But like, I don't know. One thing that strikes me is we talk a lot about Marquise and and certainly like he was great. He was getting the logo three to fall. And when he's doing that, you know, it's kind of impossible really to to guard him. The struggles have come when he's he's not hitting the three and then he's trying to force too much. But he's made an adjustment. I mean, so is Key. Like, you know, Tang talked about, for a while there, showing him the cut-up of his body language after all the charges he was picking up. When was the last time Keontae got a charge? I mean, knock on wood, but it's it's been a long time. Like, they, they've really figured some things out. He has, and the, and the coaching staff clearly has. Yeah, it was kind of an adjustment to how they're defending him, I think. And he's doing a, a better job of it, especially uh, of understanding where the defense is coming from, where the danger is in avoiding that, especially when they send doubles. And triples his way because that I mean that that stuff is still happening and and what makes him special is that he's still able to kind of rise up um, and you can kind of see this once they give them extra rest and a, a little bit more recovery and he has the legs to really rise up and shoot over defenses whether it's one or two guys there he's got the ability to make a tough shot and that'll probably come in handy during the NCAA tournament because that's what a lot of that is is making the tough shot when you're facing tough defenses because, you know, the teams that advance in the NCAA tournament are the ones that play really, really tough defense. But still, even more, and, and Jerome Tang kind of touched on this too, like he's doing a better job of it, but there's still times where I think it's like just take the shot instead of dribbling into traffic. Well, I mean, if you're shooting 50% from three lately, yeah. like and that, But it seems like he's been more willing to shoot the three, which is – I mean, they need that. They need that from him. Uh, he, he's got it. He's so damn good. It's almost like there, there's – teeny tiny little bit of Dean Wade in that right where it was like everybody was always like Dean just just shoot the three man like just just shoot the ball with Keontae it's like I'm I'm cool with him I'd rather him shoot the three than I think anybody else on the roster I think even over Marquise yeah 
I think so. Well, I mean, at Oklahoma State, he passed up a couple open threes, and and then Tang told him take those shots, and and he did, and he made it. Look, fifteen of thirty—that's a pretty good sample size. He's really shooting the heck out of the ball from beyond the arc, and over his last five games now, from the floor overall, thirty-seven of sixty-six, fifty-six percent from the floor, around seventeen and a half points per game. So we've got efficient Keontae back, you know, and it really goes back to the timeline of when Jerome Tang started to rest these guys more. Uh, when you look at his numbers, start to take a, a peak as well and go back up. I'm not saying it's all that. I certainly think he's changed a little bit of how he's playing too, and he hasn't picked up a charge in several games, um, but it, it's certainly part of it. And his ability to shoot from the perimeter makes him such a harder guard because teams are giving him that shot because they're worried he's so strong um, You know that he's going to have trouble. They're going to have trouble staying in front of him if he goes to the rim, so they're sagging off a little bit and you know, he's taking advantage of it by, by making him pay from three. So, yeah, uh, he's been tremendous. And, you know, I, I wanted to circle back real quick, John, just to the, the Desi comment from Jerome Tang last night. I don't know if you, you probably heard it, the postgame press conference, D.Y., I know you did. But he mentioned at Oklahoma State that Cam Carter hit that three to tie it at 55. Desi was at the scorer's table, and he just went back to Jerome Tang and said, Cam's in a groove, uh, keep him in. And he went and sat back on the bench. And that just speaks to the kind of teammate that Desi Sills is um, and that veteran leadership that he can sense that. And he has, you know, the wherewithal to go to his head coach and say, hey, keep that guy in. You know, that's a fifth year guy that's all about winning. It just really epitomizes what Jerome Tang has always said about him. Yeah, I actually didn't catch that until I think I saw I see someone tweet about it. And I was like, wait, what are they talking about there? And now I got the explanation. This, folks, this is why you come to the Three Mile Pod. I mean, I work a day job all day. I didn't know any of that. And uh, I was informed that by Cole. Uh, Jordan, our producer, who does a great job, was informing me about Felix not running today at the Combine either. So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm just trying to get caught up. I'm just trying to get caught up, everybody. Speaking of that, uh, Adam says, any updates? On Felix at the combine today, yeah, apparently he didn't run, but it sounded like the measurements were uh, were really good at uh, two hundred. I think it was uh, six, six three two fifty five, right? Yeah, six three two fifty five. I think it's it might still be injury related. I know that he could have had surgery after the season, and I think there was probably a discussion to have surgery after the season. Um, and I think he probably passed on it in lieu of preparing for the NFL combine and and perhaps just wasn't where he wanted to be yet. So he's maybe just waiting until pro day. That would make sense to me. Yeah. Well, we heard a lot about how he was banged up uh, throughout the season, but man, I mean, it seems like his stock is headed in the right direction. Julius Brent's stock is definitely headed in the right direction. And then you've got Malik Knowles and Deuce Vaughn also, also at the combine as well. Uh, I, a lot of other things I want to hit on, including like Cole, you singled out in a, in a tweet, Naquan Tomlin and how good he's been over the last five games, but let's, I'm, I'm just now figuring out here how to, how to scroll through some of the old comments here. Um, G Brew, what's up, G Brew? Uh, G Brew says, looking at a Big 12 two seed. I believe, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the scenario here is if K State wins on Saturday in Morgantown, they will be the two seed no matter what. Uh, if they lose and everybody else loses, being Baylor and Texas, they would also still be the two seed in that scenario. If K State loses and one of Baylor or Texas were to lose, then K-State winds up as the three. And if K-State loses and those two win, then you're the four. I believe that is the scenario, correct? You, you nailed it. Yeah, in a much simpler way than I tried to explain it in our group text today. So well done, John. You, you nailed that to a T. 
Okay. Just uh, win, baby. Just win. Just, yeah, just and just just don't be the four seed. I mean, really, the draw that I don't want is the four seed. Yeah. I I don't want to see Kansas in the in the semifinal. And I think you're looking at TCU as the likely five, right? And I really yeah. don't. Now that TCU is healthy, like I I'd like to stay away from that. I, well, I guess. I guess. Although I don't know, we had this conversation like. I'm in a weird spot as it relates to the Big 12 tournament because I just the more this goes on and when you're a really good team, it doesn't, you know, you're more so much more focused on the NCAA tournament and I just want that to go well and I as the years go on I just start to think like I don't know, it feels like there's a correlation between teams that make a run through the conference tournament that then kind of fall off and fade a little bit and the the NCAAs and so I I guess what I'm telling you is like I wouldn't be that heartbroken if they had an early exit in Kansas City, as fun as it would be to go through and and win the thing. I mean, I'll provide my commentary here. If you want to win this thing, then a four seed is completely a terrible draw with the way things are unfolding in the Big 12 standings for the Big 12 tournament. Because having to go through TCU and then Kansas before you even make the finals is something that nightmares are made of. you really have hopes of, of winning it. That's just, uh, you're lucky if you get out of the first game. You're, you're really lucky if you get out of the second game. And then who are you going to play in the championship, Baylor or Texas at that point probably? I mean, you're playing probably the top three teams. And, I mean, aside from K-State, just just to win it. Um, so if that's what you want, then you do not want to be the four seed. You'd rather be either two or the three. And to be quite frank, the two and the three at the Big 12 tournament, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, I don't know if there's a quite a bit difference there. You're you're avoiding TCU in the first round and you're avoiding KU until the finals. So I think that both of those are ideal draws. When it comes to the conference tournament and its correlation towards the NCAA tournament, I know that there's obviously anecdotal evidence and, and examples of that not going well for some teams. Call me naive. I know we I <clears throat> shared my thoughts in the group chat about this, but I I don't think that it's necessarily correlative. I don't think that those, I mean, three games in three days, that's taxing. That's taxing if you're going to play on Monday. It's even better now that the Big 12 tournament finishes on Saturday, gives you an extra day of rest. So I think it becomes a little bit less of a problem. And the amount of rest that they're really giving, I mean, K-State likes to do two days rest instead of one day rest now. So they're probably not even practicing in between the West Virginia and the who they just play on senior night, West Virginia senior night against uh, Oklahoma. There probably isn't a practice. There might be, there's a shoot around, but probably not a practice. A walkthrough and a shoot around, I bet, but not actual practice. There, It it comes down to n- not necessarily having to play three games in three days that fatigue you, in my opinion, especially talking to other people that are kind of in it. It's how those coaches approach it because uh, we've talked about this before, but coaches fall into a trap because the only way that, they they're very narrow-minded sometimes and they get into their tunnel vision this doesn't make them bad coaches but they say how do you get better you practice you practice you practice or you work hard you work hard you work hard sometimes the way to get better is to not do anything and just recover especially mentally so i think it's not necessarily the three games in three days it's how you respond and how what you do in the days after um, in order to recover and let your body heal and let your mind heal yeah, so a few things on that. Um, you know, I think I agree with you, D.Y., the two and the three, not a huge difference. The, the only the, – the big difference, you play the two, you're playing a team that played the night before, and you're potentially playing Oklahoma State, which I would rather play than Iowa State only because 
Oklahoma State's not going to have the fan support there. Uh, we know that Iowa State fans treat Kansas City like it's going to Maui, uh, and they plan their yearly vacations uh, and their budgets to come to Kansas, sandals, to Kansas City. Sandals, sandals, Kansas City. Yeah, bro. yep, sandals, yep. Kansas so uh, they they pack it and you know buy the thirteen dollar beers and power and light and treat it like it's heaven. And look, I love the Big Twelve tournament, but I would rather play Oklahoma State because of that factor. And they played the night before on Wednesday night. Now that's that's saying Iowa State could very easily. If Oklahoma State wins at Texas Tech on Saturday, Oklahoma State will be the six, and Iowa State will fall to the seven, assuming Iowa State loses to Baylor. Um, you know, in Oklahoma State, I, I actually think even if Oklahoma State just wins, they they finish ahead of Iowa State. I can't remember all the scenarios, but they swept Iowa State on the season. So that's the thing with getting the two seed. But likewise, I would have liked to avoid the four or five. It also becomes a much more expensive ticket for uh, for us trying to go down there. Uh, to the Big 12 tournament, us non-media folks that aren't sitting up in the skyscrapers like DY will be with uh, Brett uh, Wormark. Excuse me. Also a credentialed media member at the Big 12 tournament. Well, Thank you very much. have fun 800 feet above sea level up there. I, know, uh, it, I was just telling someone the other day, it sucks. It used to be so great because they would have like the three rows where like two of them weren't even marked. You could just go back there and sit for whatever games and just be right there. It was great. It, it was it was amazing seating, and Brett Yormark came in and and he figured out, unfortunately for the media guys, that hey, I can make over a million dollars more per year for the Big Twelve schools and revenue by selling those three rows of media seats as courtside seats, and I believe the number is right around one and a half million in increased revenue. The, uh, the, the only problem I have heard with that is that they haven't even sold half of them, so he might well, have been shooting airball. Well, that's a, that's a lot of money uh, to be spending down uh, to sit courtside. And look, your Mark's a big basketball guy, so um, you know yeah, he's talked would, about that it would before. Be a bad look. If it's empty, that's a bad look, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll go fill one of those seats if they I need me to. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll let me in. I don't know. Yeah, we'll be those filler guys, like they have, like what, at like the Hollywood Award shows or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'd gladly go down there and, and take on that task, but you know, it's a. Uh, on the NCAA tournament front, look, I am, there's a couple things with that. Like, first of all, K-State plays Keontae and Noel a lot. Like they play 36, 37 minutes a game, uh, playing three games in three days. I know you still have like four or five days off before your, your NCAA tournament game, but there's travel mixed in. You're, you're traveling on like Tuesday. If you're playing in the Thursday, part of it is also dictated by, do you get the Friday Sunday draw in the NCAA tournament or the Tuesday or, or the Thursday, Saturday, Here's the other aspect, and, and this is a little bit of concern and scarring I have from the 2009-2010 season in Elite Eight. They played in Salt Lake City. I was there covering it. It was in the mountains in the altitude. K-State had a day off after the double overtime game against Xavier. Their legs were shot. Now, altitude has an impact, and K-State players talked about that, and scientists talked about the impact altitude had on fatigue, even with a day off in between. If K-State were to end up in Denver, and we know that K-State is in all likelihood ending up in Denver or Des Moines, if they end up in Denver and they're on the heels of just playing three games in three days the weekend before, and then you're in the mountains playing, and, you know, with what happened to Keontae, I just I, – I get a little nervous about that, right? I don't, I don't know. Ultimately, I think they'd be fine, and the coaching staff would navigate their way around it. Um, but I would not be horribly heartbroken if – K-State won a game in KC, got to the semis, but didn't make it to the championship. You look at the the 2013, was it 2018-19 season? I was at the game when they they played Iowa State in the semis, and they were up like four or five with four minutes left. But K-State was so beat up. Dean Wade was already done. Um, Xavier Sneed got banged up in that game. 
Uh, and I came away with it. Like it sucked losing to Iowa state that night because their fans were crazy around me. Uh, but I came away from it thinking, well, maybe it's for the best. They don't have to play three games in three days. And that third game be again, an intense game against Kansas and the championship. So I, I, you know, I'd love to win a game in KC because I, I think one more win guys, one more, if it's at West Virginia or it's in KC, I think that cements K-State as a two seed. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. And I guess I was going to say, I mean, the one advantage here, no pun intended, would be that if you do go through and you win the thing in Kansas City, if you beat West Virginia and then go run the table in Kansas City, I, listen, I was listening to Gary Parrish on 810 yesterday, two days ago, whatever day he's on with Seren. And, I mean, he was like, look, I mean, there's an outside chance that they could still be a one seed if they really did some damage in Kansas City. Now, I don't know. I, admittedly, I don't follow what's going on nationally in college basketball well enough. You guys would know better than I what the actual realistic chance is of that happening. But maybe that's the the carrot out there that there is still a possibility of being a one seed. You could, you could get a one seed, John, because here's why. If you beat West Virginia, you get your 10th quad one win. Every game in Kansas City is likely to be a quad one game. If you won the Big 12 tournament, you're talking about over the next 10 days, stacking up four more quad one wins, giving you 13. That would be the second most in the country behind only KU. So I think absolutely, if they won out, including winning the tournament in KC, I think there would be a very, very strong case that K-State would be that fourth one seed. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I probably fall a little bit short of that just because I, I understand it gives you those quad one wins, but the conference tournaments really haven't really impacted seeding a whole lot. Um, so that would be very contingent on a conference tournament to jump probably too many spots in my mind, um, especially when I think UCLA and Purdue are probably going to end up like they would have to jump both UCLA and Purdue. And I don't know that you're going to quite get there even with those wins, just because of the weight that's typically placed on conference tournaments. Cause I Houston, Alabama and KU are already locks for a one seed. So you're, it's like that fourth one. And I'm not sure it goes to anyone outside of UCLA or Purdue personally um, in terms of what it takes to get a two seed. I do think it's one win unless Texas were to win at KU on Saturday, then it might be two. Because of the competition factor with Texas there you're referencing. Yeah, because because some places still have Baylor both ahead of ahead of both Texas and Kansas State. That's true. Then you're behind probably, you know, a necessary amount of teams there. You're borderline two, three, depending on how they do it. But a Texas win at KU during the regular season, and it's not a neutral side, it's a road game before Kansas City, that just might shake it up a little bit. GOK State is currently uh, one of only two Big 12 teams that beat every team in the Big 12 this year. Uh, KU and K-State are the only two teams that have done that. Now, Texas has a chance to become the third on Saturday, but if they fail to, a pretty remarkable feat for K-State to 
defeat every team in this league, including, you know, potentially sweeping three different teams. Incredibly hard to do. Would you guys agree, though, that that's pretty fair, that the Texas-Kansas game, if Texas were to grab it, that does kind of shake it up a little bit? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a big win for Texas. Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that. I I would argue against Purdue and UCLA being deserving over Kansas State, especially UCLA. I think it's ridiculous where they're at. Um, UCLA's got one or two top 25 Ken Palm wins. They have a terrible resume. I, I, I agree with you, Cole, but – because I would, I think the same thing. But I think the same thing when people are giving Houston a number one overall over KU right now. That makes uh, yeah. as much as you hate the Jay, Jayhawks, right? They have fifteen quad one wins. What are we doing? And it'll be it'll be interesting. Do all these extra quad one wins that KU's racked up since that bracket reveal have an impact? Or if Houston just wins out, does the committee say, and they win their conference tournament, they say that well, Houston didn't do anything to harm itself from when we initially put them as the one overall, so we're going to leave them as the one overall. Uh, because the metrics love Houston. They're number one in Ken Palm. They're number one in the net. Is that what the committee follows ultimately? We'll see. Like if KU were to lose to Texas on Saturday, then I think they really hurt their chances of getting the Midwest. That's probably so if you look at what they're all doing, especially with Houston being number one in the metrics. Here's my thing. Maybe the conspiratorial side of me is that they could easily put Houston somewhere else and give Kansas the number one overall seed so that they can put Kansas in Kansas City and make all that money, right? Well, they, they could do that. I, I would ask you guys, how livid would Kansas fans be if they got shipped out to the south or the west region and K-State as a two or three seed got the Midwest? <laughs> I would say, I mean, God damn, man, can you imagine be, like being a two seed, playing a regional final game in can't. Literally, I live like three blocks away. Like, K-State would be playing to go to the Final Four like three blocks from where I'm sitting in my apartment right now. That would be... And I would be at your apartment the entire weekend because there's no way I'd be driving anywhere because I would be way too uh, under the influence if uh, that situation occurred. On Ben Holiday bottled in Bon Bourbon, by the way. Of course, of course, yes. We'll bring the 360 vodka as well, uh, just just in case. And if, by the way... By the way, if we're going to stay on the the tournament picture, and we talked about this in our group chat a little bit before too, like I know the Denver altitude thing and being a little bit farther away, Cole's right. But in terms of Des Moines, like, man, some of those mock brackets are a bummer, right? I mean, would you really want to play Creighton or Iowa in the second round in Des Moines? God, no. Uh, I I don't want any part of Creighton in the second round. That would be like K-State in a way drawing Kentucky in the 8-9 game in 2013 when they went on to the national championship game because Creighton was a top 10 preseason team and they went on a losing streak early on because Ryan Kalbrenner was sick for like six games. And once they got him back, they'd been tremendous until last week when they lost back-to-back games. So no, because Creighton has top 10 talent and to draw them as a seven seed in the second round would really suck. Well, especially, way, especially that's a, seven, a seven seed in Des Moines. Like if you're playing them in Des Moines too, yeah. Yeah, that'd be brutal. A lot of Nebraska football fans would be in the house for that. That's very true. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, like I'll, I'll take whatever, right? I mean, I'm not going to be too terribly greedy when we're sitting here talking about this team being a, a two or a three it would i mean the one thing i will say obviously like it'd be awesome to win the big 12 tournament and then be a one seed just for the fact that like the novelty of being a one seed like would be insane to me i mean think about like 
being picked last, like where the program's been the last three years, never been a one seed, uh, at least since the field expanded. I don't, I was trying to look this up the other day. I, some old heads need to get at me because the only did, did they not, and I just may be totally ignorant here, did they not seed the tournament like the, the same way that they do now before it expanded in 85? Because I couldn't find any like numbers by K State of what seed they were before then. But anyway, the novelty of being a one seed would be awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure, John, how that all worked. Uh, that would that have been right before we were born. Um, so uh, I was not. I'm not sure how they seeded the brackets back then. But yeah, I mean, a one or two seed would just be shock value. I mean, you, you think about the two seed in our lifetimes is the highest seed K State's had in the NCAA tournament, and that was 010. And we talked about that with Kevin Sutton when we had him on the pod. Uh, and they're looking at a very strong likelihood of getting a two seed. Uh, when they were picked to finish last, it's just, it's an incredible story. And Gene Taylor, you know, we bow down to him for hiring Jerome Tang for hiring Chris Kleiman. Uh, and just the, like, as I think about Jerome Tang, I can't think that there is a better coach that fit Kansas state in the country. I mean, it's just an absolute home run. He's the perfect fit and what he's done with this team, with this program, but with the fan base too is so incredibly special that, uh, man, it, it is just so much fun. Like this is, that's why it's been one of the more fun seasons because, because Jerome has taken my heart. Frank Martin. I, I really liked, like you got, you guys know this. I love Frank Martin. I covered him, had a great relationship with him. You guys he were like, my, pen, you were like pen pals. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a great relationship and he was my favorite K-State basketball coach of my lifetime, but Jerome has surpassed him in year one. I just prefer the way he goes about it now after watching it in person. And he's so engaging and connects people. He connects human beings together and unifies everybody with the way he does this and the staff too. And so that that's what makes it all the more special uh, to me. Yeah. I, I will say uh, we're kind of just bringing our group chat to life here, but I mean, one thing that irked me a little bit this week, a little bit. And I, I really, I like, I, I, well, I love Gary Parrish, and obviously he was awesome here on our pod. Um, I really like Saran. I listen to Saran show a lot. But, like, listen, they kind of do this thing. And, right, I get it. You're doing a radio show in Kansas City, so you're encompassing all three locals. But it's like so often I hear Jerome Tang talk about, like, kind of 1A, 1B in the context of Dennis Gates at Mizzou. Oh, yeah. And it just makes me want to scream. Like, I, we're talking – look, Dennis Gates is a cute, nice little story this year. Jerome Tang's a – bleeping boss like i don't like what he they're gonna be a two seed mizzou is gonna be like a seven maybe mizzou is that seven that you wind up playing in the in the second round right that's a that's a that's a really cute story for the for the good old tigers um but jerome tang is like dealing with the big boys here like we're talking about national coach of the year i mean you know and and, and then reading like i saw it was rostein right that already put out that Jerome Tang is national coach of the year. And he had a list of, uh, there were maybe like seven or eight guys that got mentioned all the way down to honorable mention and Dennis Gates didn't make it. And I saw Mizzou fans complaining in the comments. I'm like, guys, like you go look at your schedule, like who you're playing and beating. Now they don't really have terrible losses, but I mean, they also don't have this stacked schedule of quad one wins. And like, I'm not going to throw you a party for beating Mississippi State in front of 75% full arena at home. Like, okay, congrats. That's that's great. Um, so I anyway, I digress. I just we need to there needs to be a line of distinction there in terms of what these guys have done. Just because they're local doesn't mean that you can just let Dennis Gates grift off of what Jerome Tang has done here at, at K State. And then 
we haven't even addressed the thing that's going to be the real discussion here, which is who is the coach of the year? Is it Bill Self? Because your blue blood loving narrative right now out there is Self, maybe best coaching job ever, which, you know, I mean, look, the guy's great. Like, I, 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 he's the best in college basketball. But if I had a dime for every time I've heard, well, this might be Bill Self's best coaching job ever. I mean, we do this shit every year with him. Like, so that that's kind of the point, right? I mean, they Tang took a team picked last that had been like 18 games under 500 the last three years, finished last or next to last in the league's three straight years, had two returning players, and he now has them as a two seed with an outside shot at a one seed. Bill Self, yes, lost a lot of scoring and talent. I mean, he still had Jalen Wilson. He was able to go cherry pick the best defender in the league off of Texas Tech's roster, you know, a sweet 16 roster around a 32, whatever it was that they were last year. And yeah, man, they, they have a good team again this year, but they were one vote shy of being the preseason pick to win the league. Like I, I don't I just seems to me like it's a, it's a pretty obvious cut and dry case here, but I think it's, it's going to be a fight and I think they're going to split, split some of these awards for sure. Yeah. I, I had three things I wanted to touch on there that in response to you, Missouri, I think you're right. No really catastrophic or bad losses. Um, uh, Came damn near close last night, though, right? Against LSU. I mean, they were losing for 90% of that game. And well, I feel like they always are. I mean, they've, hit, they've hit like two half-court buzzer beaters this year to avoid bad losses. Like, give me a break, man. Yeah, and now and that's far from the LSU team that Kansas State beat in the non-conference portion. So I, I do realize K-State had to take LSU into overtime in the Cayman Islands. But I don't know what happened to the Tigers since then, but they're they're not the same. You kind of opened up the can of worms slightly that I had not considered yet, but there is a non-zero chance that it could be Kansas State versus Missouri in that 2-7 second round game at the T-Mobile Arena in Kansas City, right? I mean, that's well, a non-zero Kansas, chance. Well, no, no, isn't, isn't, isn't KC's Sweet 16 Elite Eight, right? I mean, if Kansas State's a two-seed and Missouri's a seven, 7-10, seven, they could play in the second round in Kansas. Oh, you're right, but it, but it, it would not City, be in KC. Yeah. It would not be in KC. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, an, I'm an idiot. We play before that, and then the Bill Self Jerome Tang thing. I look. I'm not opposed to um, the first place kind of repeat teams getting the coach of the year job, be, just because I kind of grew up in it a little bit. Not to go off tangent here, but you know, being around Ohio State football all my life, I mean, they're one of what they say, a recession-proof program when it comes to football because they just don't have an off year. The one off year was the the interim season that Luke Fickle was the head coach when they went 6-7, and seven, but then Urban Meyer went 12-0 and 0 the year after. And from 2001 to now, they've kind of dominated the Big Ten and, and, and been in the playoff and in the national conversation almost every year, nearly every year, but one. And they got coach of the year, I think, once. Um, I get I get that, but I don't necessarily agree with it. I I don't think it should be the coach that just overachieved the most. I, I look at the coach of the year job a little bit differently. I look at it as the coach that did the best job that particular season. So I understand why someone like Bill Self would be in the conversation, especially since this is one of the few years that Kansas was not picked to win the Big 12, even though it was one vote less. With that being said, Jerome Tank did the best coaching job still. So I just don't think it should automatically go to the most overachieving coach. But in this case, I think it's both. I think he's the most overachieving coach um, relative to what the preseason expectations were. But I also think he did the best job. You don't go because he went from 10th preseason, 10th in the Big 12, 
to perhaps the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. He went from two players on his roster to 13 in a short amount of time. And two of those are going to be, you know, all Big 12 first team players. One should probably be player of the year. So I think Jerome Tang is worthy and is the most deserving of coach of the year, both in the Big 12 and on the national scale. I just don't think it, in my personal opinion, don't think it should always go to the coach that overachieved the most. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I would love to get Missouri as the seven seed. Uh, when you're thinking about Creighton or a Michigan State, give me Missouri, right. please. Uh, yeah. Or, State might score 200 points if they yeah. played Missouri. Yeah. So um, I was scary right now. So, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they've got a great offense. They're one of the top offenses in the country in Ken Palm, uh, you know, on the KU front and Bill Self, like, I, I think we mostly agree that Bill Self's the best coach in college basketball and best coach, in my opinion, in college basketball. So nobody's trying to dispute that, that, you know, he's not just an absolute stud. Uh, but I do get a little tired of the whole underdog narrative that's tried to paint every year where, oh, they only returned X and X players from last year's team. What a massive coaching job. Look, he, he returned one of the preseason leading players of the year in Jalen Wilson. He returned his, his point guard as well. And here are some of the guys that aren't even getting on the floor. Like they talk about not having depth at KU. Zach Clements was the number 50 player in the country in the 2021 recruiting class. KJ Adams, number 75. Bobby Pettiford, number 96 in the country. And then this year, 2022 recruiting class. So we're looking at the guys who are freshmen on KU's team currently. Grady Dick, number 22 player in the country. Ernest Duday, number 31. MJ Rice, can't even get on the floor. Number 32 player in the country. Zuby Ejafor, number 57 player in the country. Whose fault is it those guys aren't getting uh, – they have talent, all right? They signed a top five recruiting class each of the last two years. Like, don't give me the depth BS or anything like that, always oh, overachieving everything like that. Like, Bill Self's a great coach, but, you know, they, they've got plenty of talent. And so it's not like he's massively overachieving. That He's an absolute Hall of Fame coach, but – I get tired of that argument. And to the Jerome Tang front, yes, he's the national coach of the year. He's the big 12 coach of the year. And I tweeted out a table. I pulled all 41 first year head coaches in the big 12 since the big 12 was formed in 1996. And Jerome Tang has the eighth best record in big 12 as a first year head coach. And you could argue it's the best head coaching job of anyone in there because the big 12 is the toughest it's arguably ever been this year. And he inherited a team with two guys coming back on a team picked to finish last and has put together the eighth best record out of 41 coaches in league play in the big 12's history and actually has the sixth best turnaround when looking at winning percentage from the prior season to the next year out of those 41 coaches. So it's just a, a remarkable coaching job to do what he has done, assemble the roster that he has and make these guys gel. And the short time they've been together, Desi Sills arrived in mid October, right before the season started. And they've been able to make all of this work. Keontae arrived on August 1st. Like, it's remarkable that they've gotten these guys to mix together from the get-go the way that they have. Yeah, and and one of the, I mean, one of the pushbacks that I seem to see to this argument about specifically Tang B self is oh, it's so much easier to rebuild a roster in this day and age because of the portal and NIL. And I'm like, yeah. Bill Self got to do it while selling a national championship and playing in Allen Fieldhouse and stealing the best guys off the other teams in the league. Like, I, it works the same for him. Like, <laughs> Tang was still digging himself out of a hole when Self was starting 
way up on top of the castle uh, to do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, ultimately, just just go win game, have a deep tournament run. I don't really care that much. But, like, you, you feel like almost an obligation to fight for Tang here because he's just – he's done so much for everybody, and we've seen and experienced just how unbelievable this, this turnaround job has been. So Can I – can I point something out? And this is not going to endear myself to Kansas fans as much as I've done that in the past couple of months where I think I've become, along with Kurt's enemy number one in KU land. But I looked at some of the, I guess, commonalities of the Kansas teams that have exited early in the NCAA tournament. And those have kind of been the ones that didn't have the quote-unquote typical post player that, you know, Bill Self has kind of groomed a lot of times, you know, uh, like a doke or something like that. That would be reminiscent of this team. Not saying that it will happen since they're going to be a one seed, and obviously that gives you a pretty clear path in doing so. But, man, um, I would just say that the DNA of this Kansas team is got some unfortunate similarities to some of the teams that have exited early in Self's coaching career in Lawrence. Well, another thing that drives me nuts, DY, is I hear all the time, oh, and Self, he's had to play most of the year with K.J. Adams as his five, and K.J. Adams is only six foot seven. I'm like, look around college basketball. Like, this happens all the time. That He's got a wildly talented roster, so he's got to play a guy that's six, seven at the five sometimes. I don't, I mean... (laughs) What are yeah, we and, by, and by the way, this will, and this will run antithetical to what I just said, but that's also Kansas running down a pretty good player. Like KJ Adams is still pretty good. <laughs> well, it's it's remarkable that Ernest Duday is coming on the number thirty-one player in the country. Just look yes. at what a McDonald's All-American, and it's just shocking that a guy that was McDonald's All-American is able to do what he's doing right now as a freshman. You know, scoring three points a game and coming on so masterful. There, look, I. I I don't want to go on and on about KU uh, too much. And Jordan Jordan says, uh, our producer, to slander Kevin McCuller. Look, that was a game-winning play he made against Texas Tech, Jordan. I don't know. I mean, he showed a hell of a linebacker move there to drill Davion Harmon and knock the ball loose and create a fumble. I mean, he really got his head. He got his shoulder right on that basketball and knocked it loose like a linebacker. So that's the it's a winner. Well, I will I will say on that. I definitely see the the point in complaining about the the fouls there. And my guy Ashley Hodge, who covers Baylor for Sigum three sixty five, he tweeted out a chart that was like it was like Big Twelve teams in one possession games at home over the last five years, and it's like everybody is within a game or two of five hundred. It's like everybody's like seventeen and sixteen, nineteen and fifteen. Kansas twenty five and one, and like yes, they're good. They're going to be better than everybody. But like that sort of (laughs) disparity, like, you know, you get a little, you get a little kiss in there. That's a part of the deal. But I'm also a little mad at Davion Harmon for, he, he could have been a little tougher trying to get that ball. Like if we're being honest, I watched that like 10 times. Harmon's maybe my favorite non-K-State Big 12 player. I really like him. I was like, Davion, my my guy, like, come on. Well, yeah, look, John, he's got to know that He's about to get hit, and he's got to he's got to secure the ball firmly there before he gets drilled. And so, I agree with you. He needs to tuck that ball away. Why does not like Harmon? I think Harmon's really not. I think I think Harmon's a nice player. I mean, I have no problem with Davion Harmon, but that's a very like odd name to pull out of for your favorite non K State player. Well, okay, there are a lot of like. 
I, I kind of, we have a little kinship with Texas tech, right? I like tech fans. I like their team. Uh, he's a guy that I've been watching for a long time. Who's obviously been around the big 12 for a while. Um, I kind of like his style of play. And the thing that really sold me on him is like when they beat Texas at home this year and they had obviously gone through a ton, you know what I mean? I can't imagine being a player with all that and the Mark Adams drama and the stuff that was swirling around there. Um, and he was, he was like in tears, I believe. He was like just such an incredible show of emotion after the game. You could tell it meant so much to him. I don't, I just, I kind of took a liking to him. I had already liked him before that and that kind of sealed it for me. So I don't, you know, I got a soft spot for Davion Hunter. I got three. Mine would be, Flagler from Baylor, just because I don't know, but he's I've kind of liked him for a couple of years now. Marcus Carr for Texas. I liked him when he was at Minnesota, to be honest. He had a lot of buzzer beaters in Minnesota, so I knew about him before then. And then uh, I had another oh, Caleb Boone. I actually he's not been good lately, but don't, don't get me wrong, he is not. But Caleb Boone, there for a stretch, was really good. He was very good against Kansas State and uh Manhattan, so those three would, would pop out to me, I think. I I'm also a big Serge Jamari Rice guy. Love him. Yeah. Well, I thought oh, you were going to say Caleb oh, Grill. Oh, anyway. Rice. Caleb Grill. What, what about uh, Tanner Groves? Yeah, that's a big one. Man, that guy. Uh, man, he's uh, he's pretty unlikable. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Adam Flagler is my favorite non-K-State guy. He just goes about his business on the floor. He's a heck of a player, and I never see him run his mouth ever. You know, he's just a business-like performer out there. Really, really like him. So, yeah. If you like, I don't have a lot to add on that. If you like threes, LJ Cryer, that dude does. I don't know when the last time he missed a three. <laughs> All right. Let, let's let's do a couple things here. I'm going to try and be point guard host guy as my camera does this little 20-minute crap out thing. Um, we're going to address a couple of questions here. And then like a brief thought on West Virginia. I don't. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm just – I'm glad to get another chance to watch this team. But with so much going on and around the corner, it's really hard for me to – you know, I'm kind of like, and this game isn't really going to do much for K-State. I thing that kills me, this could be another discussion. I mean, that Texas game, dude, like think about how much different this weekend would be if you had that Texas game, you know, was still the possibility of a Big 12 championship out there. Uh, Two games come to mind for me. It would be Texas. And then I would have said at Oklahoma because how did that happen? But it really wasn't close. So I can't really say what happened at Oklahoma. So I would say at Texas Tech. Yeah, it's just like Texas to me was like, you're at home. They've been great at home. They don't lose games at home. You were up by 14. Um, yeah, that that one, that, that's the one that really, really. I, I haven't allowed myself to really go there because truthfully, guys, if you had told me when they were six and one in the Big 12 that they would eventually get to 11 and six, I would have taken that in a heartbeat when yeah. I look at the schedule. I, I don't think we thought the path would be that it was the way it was that they lose at Tech and OU back to back, right? But, you know, a lot of people thought they'd lose to Baylor at home potentially or something like that. But if you told me they'd go five and five over those next 10 games after the six and one start, I, I would have taken that truthfully. You know, you, you tell me 11 and seven league or 12 and six, uh, even when they were six and one, I'm taking that and uh, walking away. Don't forget that Ken Palm just a month ago had the Big 12 championship winner going 11 and seven in a massive tie. Yeah. Like. You know, K-State has a chance to get to 12 and 6, and they're just still not going to get there. That's a credit to KU for for getting over the hump down the stretch. Yeah, did you know Bill Self lost 75% of his scoring from like – okay. Uh, let's go to Mitch. Let's go to Mitch. We, we have not done a good job of uh, addressing – Fortner? What's that? Fortner? Not, not Fortner. Not Fortner. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, not Fortner. Although well, we love this Mitch too. Well, yeah, sh shout, out to, uh, shout out to Mitch Fortner for doing a great job on PA. But uh, Mitch Perkins – Mitch says, uh, Cole, my mom has become quite the Brody fan. 
uh, from your post. <laughs> we were at the game last night, and I think she was pretty bummed that she didn't get to meet him. So uh, you're going to have to do a better job, I guess, of uh, parading Brody down. But I did see that he, he got to hang out with uh, Marquise again, right? I don't – do you like – do you come in through the back way and like go to the locker room and you guys change? Like, does Brody get changed in the locker room at this point next to all those guys and then you wheel them out on the court yet there? Because I don't, I thought you were just like a common fan, but it sure seems like you got to, we were joking with Kevin Sutton about getting you a position on staff. It kind of feels like you're already there. Yeah, that's in the works. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, we, uh, we did enter one game in the tunnel for the Texas game, but no, last night it was just, uh, it was just Coach Sutton. Um, you know, saw Brody over, uh, we were watching warmups and we'd went down to row one and uh, he came over and coach Sutton just grabbed Brody and uh, took him. And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I better follow and uh, grabbed him and took him down there to the court. We love coach Sutton. We love this staff. And uh, you know, he started pulling some players over to come say hi to Brody real quick, Nate Aubrey ish. And then, um, you know, he called Marquise down from the tunnel to come say hi to him real quick. And uh, you know, took a, took a couple pictures with Marquise and then Marquise's mom uh, called me over because she's seen Brody on Twitter. So she called him over and uh, it was, it was nice talking to her as well. So no, I, I'm sorry, um, Mitch, that we did not make the rounds. Um, if we saw your mom gladly would have loved to have uh, met her. Uh, but I certainly appreciate everybody that loves Brody. I mean, look, he's a, he's a bigger star than me uh, by far. And when we go to games, People holler out Brody all the time, and that's I love that. Uh, except for the Texas fans that came at him, you know. But other than that, it, it's been a blast, and it's been a special year to enjoy that with him, uh, football and basketball, really. So I appreciate the comment, Mitch. Uh, Jeff, Jeff had a question about the uh, Big Twelve tournament. Uh, Jeff asked, "Am I crazy for wanting the three in the Big Twelve tournament? You get to line up against a cratering ISU team to get another Q uh, Q one win." I think we, we had kind of touched on no. like the, the debate. The debate there is whether whether or not you want to deal with Iowa State fans, uh, right, versus uh, versus playing potentially just, Oklahoma State there. Although again, it depends on how that six seven shakes out. There's just a, there's just a lot that that could shake out differently there. Yeah, I, I will just say this: I understand preferring to play Oklahoma State without Avery Anderson in Kansas City rather than Iowa State without Caleb Grill in a what they perceive as Maui, of course, or the Bahamas, but I mean, I still think Oklahoma State's better than Iowa State with all those things and and playing into it. I really do. I think I would rather play Iowa State. My yeah, my thing with that is K State swept Oklahoma State. They split with yep. Iowa State. My fear Tough is to that beat a team a third time. Tough to beat yeah. a team a third time. Yeah, my my fear is Iowa State gets re-energized in Kansas City and finds their little hot spurt like they've done before, where you know they play well in Kansas City. They view it as their fresh start. They love to claim their conference championships, uh, you know, with their regular their conference tournament titles. So that would be my fear that they catch fire and have an on game against K State. Like Coucher, he's hitting his twenty foot twos. I I understand that, but I think that was also like the teams that felt that way, the coachings that felt that way are not there. Like if you look at Iowa State last year in the Big Twelve tournament, or just anytime recent that just hasn't existed really in my mind. So I, I think we're kind of dwelling upon something that was associated with players and people that are not there at Iowa state anymore. And I, at the end of the day, I also think it's, it really is tough to beat a team three times too. I think that overweighs anything else. My answer would be, 
my gut instinct is I would rather play Oklahoma State, but yeah, a lot of it is just I've, I've seen the Iowa State thing at the Big Twelve tournament over and over again. There, I mean, there have been some great games played between K State and Iowa State in the quarters or the semis of the Big Twelve tournament, and it feels like K State comes out on the losing end more often than not. Yeah. So um, just just stay out of the four or five game because I hate playing the eleven a.m. game game on the Thursday of the Big Twelve tournament. If you lose, which K State experienced when they lost to Colorado for the third time. Speaking of third time. D.Y. Colorado Buffaloes beat K-State. The a team with Jacob Pullen and Curtis Kelly beat them three times uh, that year with Corey Higgins and Alec Burks. Um, you know, and I was there covering that, and they were done at 1 o'clock in the afternoon already. And then Baylor in a 4-5 game in Kansas City, K-State got beat. And Iowa State beat them in a 4-5 game in 2013-14. So that sucks because it, it sucks to lose yeah. the very first game of the big day. Yep, four or five sucks because of what the potential loss kind of tends to do, do to you for the rest of the Big 12 tournament, especially, you know, the most fun day in the Big 12 tournament is that Thursday when you got games all day. But um, kind of lost my train of thought. So I actually, I'll just give it back to Curtis. Yeah, I mean, I also just, if you're going to play Kansas in the final, fine. But well, I'd, I'd rather I'd not remember. play Kansas before the final. That's, that's, that's a big part. Yeah. For me, I just remembered, like, how about just not playing TCU? Like, like, why are you guys scared of TCU? With- we played them like twenty times in the the Big Twelve tournament. I mean, just roll that, it out that, again. That, that, yeah, that's one of the things. It's not just the fact that hey, oh my gosh, I'm scared of TCU, which I kind of am. But it's like we play them in the Big Twelve tournament every freaking time. Even the Big Twelve tournament, they didn't count. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Although, hey, who won that game, Dy? Who won that game? Go we were a Big 12 baby. tournament chance. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking through some of the old comments here. G Brew asked, uh, he said, look like Tang dissed uh, Porter Moser in the handshake line. I I, it was I a quick handshake. I, mean, I think Porter I Moser, Porter Moser was very, it's, he seemed very annoyed with the curtain calls. And then there was, there was the picture after the game of Keontae, <laughs> Keontae <laughs> like <laughs> taunting him and him just kind of you know, like, Oh, I was on a K Man earlier today with Mitch uh, for my guest appearance. I usually do on Wednesdays. I did it Thursday this week because of the game. And he said they like ran into each other. So that's why, like, Porter was like, it was like one of those things like I didn't mean to. So that uh, it was just like the uh, aftermath of that. So it made it look worse than what it really was. I said it in our group chat. So again, we're kind of bringing our group chat to life, which I guess is probably makes for good podcasting, to be quite honest. But I said it at the time. I was like, Porter Mosher has to be incredibly annoyed. So I actually can't blame him. If you're the, and this is nothing against Strom Tang. This is what you do during senior night. But as the opposing coach, that has to suck so much. Oh, yeah. we would have hated it. Yeah. If the roles are reversed here, we would have hated it. We would have been very annoyed. Yeah. I, I cut Porter Mosher some slack and I, you know, like whatever. He stopped us from getting to the final four once upon a time. I don't know. I have a hard time mustering up like a ton of hate for, for Porter Mosher necessarily, I, mainly because they just, I mean, they, in case they was never in that game against Loyola. Like that was not like a, you know, Brad Stevens, I, Brad Stevens can go to hell, but I don't, I don't really, I don't feel the same for Porter Moser. I, I loathe Porter Moser. It's one of my least favorite human beings on earth. So, okay. um, you know, and the by constant the way, pacing. Say, yeah, go ahead, by the way, I say this every time, I say this every time that Kansas State plays Oklahoma since he was hired, but uh, folks, some folks probably know him. Some may not. Michael Goins of Go Power Cat. Him and Porter Mosier look so much alike. I, I just remember Oklahoma's o- Oklahoma's SID approached us at Big 12 Media Days, John, and asked if we wanted Porter Moser on, and uh, we were like, uh, no, 
no thanks. I don't want to talk to that <laughs> guy. <laughs> but we'll, we'll decline that invitation. We don't really have anything in common. You know, I don't want to, you know, but last night, first win over Porter Moser had been 0-4 against him uh, between Loyola and Oklahoma. So got that monkey off the back and uh, great to beat him. And, and shout out to Tanner Groves joining Brady Manick as players that got ejected on senior day for Oklahoma in Manhattan twice in four years. So at least Tanner Groves didn't cry like Brady Manick. I just don't have the I don't have the Oklahoma hate apparently I don't have the Oklahoma hate going on as well in basketball in basketball I just kind of like I don't know, Oklahoma basketball is kind of harmless I don't know I have I have some uh, Tanner Groves hate after last night I mean that was our guy Desi that he knocked out man yeah well he's also the guy that sat on Marquise's head just ten seconds before and squashed his head into the floor so he was trying to just knock people's heads off out there and if you remember in Norman. There's video of him where he just keeps slapping guys' wrists, like, get off me, slapping the wrists, and he was hooking and holding guys. I don't like Tanner Groves at all. All right, well, he can have fight night round three in the CBI. So, you know, there you go, John. Take, take, take solace in that. Take solace in that. Uh, okay, West Virginia. Um, how about the Mountaineers oh. earlier this week, huh? Let, let, let's go Mountaineers. They gave me a nice little – that was a fun Tuesday night watching that game. Uh, so, I – I, I don't know. It, this is a weird one because I feel like I just have not watched all that much West Virginia this year. And yes, they played K-State, but that is we Derek and I were watching that game from Bourbon Street, like on a phone. Remember, remember that DY? We were like having to look off at different people's phones in overtime. And like one of the phones cut out, like right. We didn't see the West Virginia game tying three uh, to send it to overtime. Yeah. One of the phones shit out in a bar in Bourbon Street at like midnight. And so, I just we didn't see much of that game because it was the day of the Sugar Bowl, and so I don't really know much other than case they got way behind and then came back and in what? overtime found a way to win. So I, I mean, Cole, we Cole, can you ask was there. Who was there? You, you being there, Cole. You've got to be the expert. Go ahead, Cole. I was just going to say I declined the Sugar Bowl to be the boots on the ground reporting for you guys to be the eyewitness to the West Virginia game, and you mocked it, John, when I did that, and I was there. And sheared K-State on to the first Big 12 win. And, uh, yeah, it was an overtime game. K-State fell behind 18-4 to in that game. And uh, West Virginia was really rebounding the heck out of the basketball on the offensive end. And uh, K-State fought hard, and they came back. And a, a devastating three by West Virginia to send it to overtime. And then K-State prevailed in OT. What I will tell you is, look, they're 6-12 and or 6-11 and in the Big 12 now. Um, but the metrics, you guys know this, love them. They're uh, number 19 in Ken Palm. K-State's number 18 in Ken Palm, so they're right on their heels. And they're number 21 in the net. K-State's number 16 in the net rankings. West Virginia knows if they win this game, they're a lock for the NCAA tournament in all likelihood. They get their sixth quad one win, um, seven and 11 in the league. They probably get in with this. It's senior day. They have six seniors that play meaningful minutes that have been there a long time. Not Stevenson, but some of their others have been there a long time. Uh, it's going to be a tough place to play and win. So I uh, I just saw in the comment chat, uh, I always say we're going to be quick with these shows and then look what happens. Uh, Westford, uh, but but yeah, I, th I think it's going to be a really hard game. Like West Virginia is going to be playing desperate and it's senior day in Morgantown where they played pretty well this year. Um, all honesty, I, I expect West Virginia to probably win this game. 
um, and K-State to be hoping that, you know, be Kansas fans on Saturday or Iowa State fans and hope one of Baylor or Texas lose so you get into that top three seed. Yeah. No, I would I'm agree not sure that I have much to add on West Virginia, man. I mean, I, I'm excited to watch the team play again, but I kind of just want I kind of just want the, the tournaments to get here. So yeah, the, the the Stevenson kid for West Virginia, he when he's hot, you're you're basically at his mercy. I know that he can really fill it up. And they did win on Tuesday night, like you said, but can we glean too much from winning in Ames right now? Oklahoma won in Ames. So did OSU. I mean, Iowa State's lost three at home now um, to actually the bottom three teams in the league, or bottom three of three of the bottom four. So, mm-hmm. three of the bottom four. Yeah, getting Iowa State at a at a good time there for sure. But I don't know. I yeah, I don't. It's a weird feeling. I feel it's just a very weird spot. I feel like to be in because this this game against West Virginia feels kind of weird, and I'm just uh, not. I get like fired up to see the team, but not that fired up for the specific game. I really want the NCAA tournament here. I have worries about what Kansas city can do. I'm just, you know, being anxious fan, but the anxious fan in me is like even worried about uh, the big 12 tournament and and what happens there. I just want the NCAA tournament to get here and see a, a nice run in the NCAAs. So I'm in a, I'm in a weird position. I'm probably not the right person to be speaking on this. So if anybody has any other final thoughts, uh, let her rip. Who gets big 12 player of the year? Oh, we know who's getting big toll player of the year. It'll be Jalen Wilson, but I did my PR campaign for Marquise, and uh, I think you could easily sell that it should be Marquise, but I think it'll be Jalen Wilson. Mike Boynton thinks it's Keontae, right? You can make a serious argument for Keontae, too. I mean, top three in scoring and rebounding. Mike Boynton also thinks Marquise Noel's all Big 12 second team, so... Okay, yeah, interesting, interesting take there from from one Mike Boynton. Um, G Brew, we're not trying to send out bad vibes. Not trying to send out bad vibes. I'm just. It was the, the other piece of this right is is kind of like the booking thing. Like Wednesday, yesterday was so fun and so amazing and perfect, and did have this feel almost like of a storybook ending, like it's over sort of thing. Um, so that that I think is. A, I would be. I would be pleasantly surprised if Kansas State wins in Morgantown. I would. Yeah, uh, John, I'll end on this. Uh, you had a question about NCAA tournament um, when the brackets were revealed. Uh, I got a text from Mark who uh, explained to me that 1978 was the first postseason to feature seeding of any kind in the final tournament to have 32 teams in it. So we'll close on that factoid. Okay. Good good stuff there. Mark, you say Mark? Is that Mark? Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know if Mark wants me to say his uh, his last name on oh, that's air. That's fine. No, I was just going to shout out to Mark. Mark. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, are you okay if I say your cell phone number too for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, social security number. Can we get yeah. that? Uh, all right. Um, that, that's going to close it out here. Uh, make sure and pick up your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Really appreciate uh, Jordan Foot behind the scenes hanging out with us. His comment was correct. Which which one of you? MF first said this is going to be a 30 minute show. That was Cole. I'm way too smart at this point, way too wise, really, I guess, at this point to ever suggest that we're going to do just a 30 minute show. So I would never do that, Jordan. I, I would never do that. But we we appreciate you as always. Well, we just want to fill uh, people's drives all the way to Manhattan. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. 
covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.